Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast that's all about taking the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined by the man, the myth, Dan. I had Tacos Dorados for lunch, Kruger. I did. I did not know what those were. Now I had them and they're pretty good. What exactly is a Dorado? I still don't know. Yeah, I looked at it and I was like, that looks good. It looks kind of like a tostado yeah, with sour cream and some sauces. It's good. It's good. Yummy. We never get Mexican. I'm like Italian or burger. Those are usually my go-tos for everything. I had a big chimichanga. You didn't look disappointed. (laughs) It was not. It was large. But I was wearing a white shirt and that is a saucy, saucy meal. (laughs) A brave soul I was to dive into that meal. <laughs> I usually were risk averse, but today you were just rolling the dice. I feel like anytime I wear a white shirt, I'm either eating like Thai food or Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> like sauces are flying. I can't I can't be trusted in white. I need to always Stick wear my black water. neck. <laughs> Stick to water. Yeah. All right. So let's now that we've got the culinary uh portion of the, the podcast episode out of the way, let's get to the meat and potatoes. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Well, yep, we all heard it. We, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm not a dad, but I do enjoy myself a good dad joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are accumulating them. Um, so if you guys have dad jokes, send them in. Keep I'm a new dad. Those. I have like no jokes, so I got one now. Your little meat and potatoes <laughs> no, pun. That was more of a pun. It wasn't really more a joke. A pun. I thought it was funny though. All right, so. Dan, we actually have a really interesting topic that I want to discuss today that came up in a coaching call that I had with a client the other day. Um, And I think it's going to serve as a really good launching off point for the rest of this episode, which is what's the difference between buying a portfolio of 100 single family homes versus just buying a 100 unit apartment building. But before we get to that, we got to dive into the dessert before we get to the meal, because that's how I do things, because I am a child. So Dan... What is my bad investing advice this week? Alrighty. Um, diversification is how you reduce risk, right? If you want to reduce risk, you need to diversify. And that's my bad investing tip for the week is to diversify as much as possible, right? Because, I mean, if you are reducing risk by diversifying, you should just diversify as much as possible, and then all the risk goes away. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, this is an interesting one I think about actually quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, diversification is um, a key component of a sound investment portfolio for a lot of people. But if you have domain expertise that gives you a particular advantage, well, maybe like we do in real estate, because that's what we do, then maybe you should stay in your lane and, and leverage that. But I'm curious where you're going with this, because 
This is your bad advice. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by diversification is bad? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to take a little bit different direction with it and basically say that, uh, yes, it's important to not have all your eggs in one basket. However, if you take that concept of diversif- diversification uh, all the way to where you're ultimately diversified and you have a little tiny bit of uh, money in every single thing that's out there, all you're going to achieve is the average of everything, which is not that great, right? You want to outperform. You want alpha. You want something more than the general market return. In order to do that, you've got to make some strategic decisions to outperform and get alpha. So, um, you know, diversify so that you're not completely putting all your bets on one thing, but then still have a few key areas that you invest in. So for us, that's that's real estate, a little bit in equities, maybe a little bit of crypto. We kind of dabble in a few different things. Uh, it's Primarily one thing with us, we're trying, we're trying to diversify, diversify a little bit more, but we still kind of pick a few things that we have expertise in. So there's still an edge, right? But we're not just saying, oh, yeah, just throw it all in mutual funds and, and call it a day. Yeah, and that is, if you take it to its logical extreme, the, the issue with diversification is perfect case in point. If you, inv- if you invest in everything across the broad spectrum of all potentiality, then you're going to average out to the exact middle which isn't going to get you ahead necessarily. If that middle is above, like still a good place and still growing, then cool. If it's not, then that's problematic. But I think for most, for the general investor, diversification is a good idea in the sense that you might not have any unique domain experience or expertise that you can leverage. But if you're listening to a podcast on real estate investing, you have probably more of an edge than you realize. Even if you're a passive investor, you probably know more from listening to this podcast or reading that book up there, Passive Investing Made Simple. You probably know more about real estate investing than you do about investing in the stock market and the the companies that you're investing in there, or maybe even crypto. So leverage that and play to your strengths. I'm a big proponent. Like If you want to build a big, successful business or life, uh, you need to leverage your skills and surround yourself with the people who know your weaknesses. But I think it's a good strategy even in investing is play to your strengths. Mm 100%. 100%. So, all right. So we're done diversifying. Do now let's get, let's get into, focused. yeah, let's get into focus mode. Let's talk about, this was an interesting question because the, the person that asked it is not a beginner. You know, it's not their first rodeo with multifamily. They asked the question, Hey, there's this hundred unit single family portfolio or a portfolio of a hundred single family units. Why wouldn't I consider buying that um, instead of a hundred unit apartment building? Like he's like, what's the difference? And you know, he's new in some ways to real estate, but he has like 30 units spread across smaller like duplexes and tries and things like that. And by his own, his own admission, he hasn't really dove in deeply enough to the underwriting. And he just kind of bought those because that was the thing that seemed like it made sense. He didn't really underwrite it. And so far that served him well, but now that he's trying to escalate his education and he's asking these questions like, what's the difference? Why shouldn't I just go buy a hundred single family homes versus this multifamily? It, it illuminated to me that like, this is still, no matter how often we talk about it, still something that a lot of people don't understand or know fully the difference and why we're such protagonist, not protagonist, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? So pro multifamily. So let's let's, I thought we could just break this down from a, from a high level. When I, when I first say, Dan, why would I buy a hundred unit apartment complex when I could buy a a portfolio of a hundred single family homes? Like, isn't it pretty much the same? What, what comes to mind? 
Yeah, it's. I mean, there's a flutter of like probably seven to ten different things that come to mind immediately. A flutter. Uh, I mean, it all it all comes rushing back. Uh, no, but I mean, this is something that we've talked about a lot, and we've you know had experience on the smaller side personally and on the larger side. So we've got this really, um, you know, we've got this great perspective of already having done both things. Like I've I've never done the single family home stuff, but I've done smaller properties and, and larger ones. So Anthony's done the same. So we've we've seen both sides, and we've kind of come to the conclusion that there's a ton of different reasons why uh, a larger complex would be better than the same number of doors spread across uh, multiple properties, right? So single family homes. Um, so this 100 versus 100 example, I think is, is a good one because the first thing that, that comes to mind, the most immediate thing is just the the logistical um, lift that 100 homes would be. And you know, even if it's coming in, in a portfolio of 100 uh, units where, where maybe this would be uh, you know, one transaction. Um, typically in this question, it, it, you know, you're talking to somebody who's trying to scale to a hundred units over time. And so those, each of those houses would be one transaction, one loan, one closing process, you know, that you'd have to go through that closing process a hundred times to buy a hundred homes. If you did them one by one versus a hundred buildings. And in this case, I think he was talking about buying a hundred houses all at once. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't really have that, but, um, you still have a hundred different properties to maintain. And so from a, a management perspective and just the logistics of handling that, you know, if there's uh, an issue at a, a large apartment building, there's one physical location where everybody goes and, you know, you, you don't have a hundred different furnaces. You don't have a hundred different roofs, right? And there's all this stuff that just gets multiplied on the smaller scale where each, uh, structure, even though it's one house versus an apartment unit, you know, it's, it's kind of its own little animal, right? And let so you just, lose a lot of efficiency. Let me just throw this out there. A hundred different tax returns. Oof. Oof. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you'd have to do that. I'll say if you bought them in one foul swoop, I think maybe. Not. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 CPA I, I bet you, I, I bet know. you, you would have to, because the state well, wouldn't necessarily care that you bought them in a portfolio. They just know that's an individual parcel. I don't know, but I would I would assume I like when we're talking I about I think it would just be a tax return for whatever entity owns it, not each property. I mean you pay property tax a hundred times. Yeah. Right. So oh yeah, a hundred payments. Yeah. Yeah. hundred payments. I'll yeah. say we're not yeah. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're on the same page here. But the the thing with the hundred is let's let's just think about this from the very beginning of the process. Let's say you have a portfolio of a hundred. And I was on a panel last week where a guy this summer bought five hundred single family homes. And the first thing that came to my mind was holy crap, how did you do due diligence on 500 single-family homes? Think about the spreadsheet that you have to have and then the team that you have to be able to, just the transportation cost of sending your architect and engineer and, and your property manager between all 500 yeah, units. How long that takes. <laughs> that would take, it would take forever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, so the, the, like to answer your question, the immediate thing that springs to mind is just generally the, the efficiency of taking that down. Um, it's way more efficient to take down 100 units in an apartment building than it is to buy 100 houses, even if it's one transaction, just mm-hmm. because of all those little nuances between each property. And then there's a multitude of other reasons as well. Yeah, and I I, I don't want to leave this one quite yet because there's a couple other aspects that maybe listeners haven't necessarily considered, which is if I have a, a portfolio of 100 single-family homes, I have 100 roofs, 100 boilers, 100 foundations, 100 electrical systems, 100 plumbing stacks. Whereas when I have a single complex, and granted, a 100-unit complex, unless it's a high-rise of some sort, is usually maybe three, four buildings, right? But 
the amount of roofs and mechanicals and, and things that could go wrong is drastically reduced. And so what that means is that your maintenance and repair and your CapEx expenses are going to be proportionally far higher on the portfolio of single families than it would be on the single multifamily asset. Mm-hmm. And that can really eat away at profits at the end of the day. Yeah. And now I'm just kind of, I just keep thinking about this more and more and more. It's like, think about all the utilities, mm-hmm. the trash, the electric, the water, the gas, the sewer, like those are all separate bills, those right? Are all like, separate bills. And there's five or six, or probably more like four or five for each property. And they all are probably on different schedules. There's different garbage companies. It's, uh, you'd need a team of people to just manage paying all the, the bills on a monthly basis and keeping up with it. I feel like it would yeah. be just so messy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, honestly, guys, I, I don't get, um, too stressed out when I think about scaling and building systems, but the idea of building a system for a hundred or 500 single family homes, like really stresses me out. <laughs> Zillow's got to figure it out. I don't know what the heck they're doing. I think they're just flipping, honestly. Well, but. here's, here's the other aspect that I do want to talk about here, which is the valuation conversation, which is an important one. Um, the way that single family homes are valued is fundamentally different than multifamily assets, which we've talked about ad nauseum. If this is the first time that you're listening to this podcast, here's the quick breakdown. Single family homes and buildings that are on a residential loan, so maybe four units and under, they are going to be valued based on comparables, which means whatever the homes that are similar to them in a in a certain geographic region, what have those sold for recently? That's going to dictate the price of your building. So if the neighbor, Jeremy, across the street sells for a huge profit, awesome, then your property is going to be worth more doesn't matter how well he ran the property or how well you run your property. It's going to be based, it's going to be valued about what everybody else's properties in that area is worth. Now, multifamily is fundamentally different because it's based on the, the cash flow that's produced. Like as a business, how profitable is this little entity? And so we have a lot of control over the driving up the expenses. Or I'm driving up the revenue. We don't want to drive up the expenses and decrease the expenses. And that makes our prop, uh, our properties more profitable. In turn, this gives us control over the valuations. Now, something to think about here. If I go and buy a portfolio of 100 single-family homes, and let's say they're all on like this three-block area, that's that's a great scenario in the sense that it's going to be easy for due diligence and maybe even management because now they're all in, grouped into one area. You own that area. But now you also control the comparables. And that's what Zillow is really doing is they're going in and buying up a bunch of properties. They then sell them back and they can drive up the comps because they own everything in that area. That only works until it doesn't. And then somebody's left holding a bag. And maybe you do that for the 25 of your properties because you it's going to be hard to sell a whole portfolio of 100 of these. Maybe you're selling them piecemeal. And maybe you sell 25 of them and then suddenly the market goes the other direction. You can no longer get the same price that you're getting for the earlier ones. And so the whole exit strategy is just so much more, again, logistically overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, the, that, the valuation piece is really what what drew me into multifamily. When I, when I got to that point of learning about this asset class and this business, that's where I instantly got hooked because that was the thing that really turned me off about um, real estate when I was younger and I hadn't been to school and I was just hearing about, you know, this kind of stuff in the news. Um, it sounded like something that you, you didn't have control over, kind of like the stock market and like everything else out there. And I was like, well, that's sounds kind of risky. And then I got to the valuation piece of, of my studies and I was like, that is a hell of a lot less risky mm-hmm. in that model. So that's really where it turned for me. It was just, I was instantly hooked. And then the more I learned about this stuff, the more and more it just made sense. Here's, here's something else to think about. 
Again, I just keep going back to the logistics. My mind goes to systems building and all the issues that you would run into. If you have 100 single-family homes, you have to set up 100 single-family home listings when you want to rent them out. Yeah. And you have to keep track of 100 different addresses. So when I say to you, hey, the boiler went out at 4237 38th Street, you're like, wait, which one is that again? That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't keep that track. Yeah, track no, it. it's, it's just madness. It's madness. It's just, I mean, I guess it works for some people, right? If you, if you, if you like the single family home stuff and you, you know, scale it up slowly and build these systems along the way, like, yeah, hundred units by the time you get there typically will be, um, you know, you've got a system when you get there. It's just the thought of that all at one time is really where it's, it's kind of like, geez, you know, that seems aggressive but uh but you know people make it work people build the systems they they make it work it might not be the most efficient thing but you know some people like it so more power to them yeah at the end of the day there is no right or wrong there's just different strokes for different folks for me i like multifamily because it's simple and real estate at its core is pretty simple but you can make it very complex and buying 100 single family homes or 500 that seems very very complex to me and that just could be due to ignorance on my part but even if you had fantastic systems in place and you could run this thing as efficiently as you could a hundred unit apartment complex, you're still not going to solve for the issue of financing and the the valuation. Mm-hmm. The, the financing is going to be just a lot easier overall on the multifamily and the valuation is, it can't be understated or overstated how important that is because it gives us ultimate control at the end of the day for how valuable our properties are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with just, you know, on this specific example of this individual's question, if, if you were buying a hundred units in a portfolio fashion like that in one transaction, you would be using commercial debt. You wouldn't be getting, um, you know, the, the types of mortgages that, a. a a consumer would get right with the best terms you're going to get commercial debt like we get on apartment building mm-hmm. so that piece you know if you actually do this kind of transaction in one foul swoop you're going to be getting the the commercial debt on it even though it's residential but even but, in that scenario then when you go to exit it let, that really makes it so that you have to exit it as one big package so if you want to split it up and you think refinance you modify, as you go I think you, if you want to parse something off, I think you can modify it uh, depending on the lender. It's really up to the bank. I think I've mm-hmm. had that conversation with a couple of lenders. It's actually, on one of our properties, you know, where we've got a couple of buildings in one portfolio. If we wanted to one off one, we we could. Mm-hmm. Most people opt not to because most of the time in apartment space, when you get larger buildings, they're grouped together as a portfolio for a reason because mm-hmm. they're together. And typically, if someone wants one or two, they probably want the other one or two as well. Um, so in our space, it's not a big issue. Usually we kind of think about that stuff going in, but it's doable. I think if you want to make it happen, you can make it happen. I, I think at the end of the day though, it's one of complexity and yeah. thinking about if you wanted to, you're going to take out a commercial loan on a whole portfolio for single family homes. Sure. But then if, unless you're planning on exit it all at once and you want to carve it up, that's going to create more administrative rigmarole. And again, I mentioned this because not just because complexity is, leads to potential points of failure and vulnerabilities, but also it just takes up more time, makes up, takes up more cost. And so then the overall profitability of a hundred single family homes versus a hundred unit multifamily complex, it's going to look very, very, very different. Right. And you take all these little, these little costs and add them up over time. It's going to be a massive difference by the end. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to when you're looking at these two options. It's uh, you, you kind of end up in the same place, but one of those, uh, one of those avenues is just extremely 
a lot more efficient, right? Um, and more profitable because of those costs that you just mentioned, right? The multifamily approach to getting a hundred doors, it's going to be a lot quicker, a lot easier, a lot simpler, and you're probably going to make more money because you don't have all those transactional costs and those little friction points in the business. Um, but you kind of get to the same place. You got a hundred, hundred doors, hundred renters, a hundred streams of income. It just, you could do it in one transaction in one property and keep it, keep it easy. So that's our approach. We like it easy. We like it simple. We're lazy. Pretty much. <laughs> we don't want to work harder than is necessary on this. Yeah. <laughs> now. Okay. So that is, you know, in a nutshell. And I think yeah. we touched on a lot of concepts here that are core to multifamily investing, which is the scale, the efficiencies, the valuation models. These are very important concepts. Um, but even th- starting to think about like maintenance and CapEx and like, what does that look like? That's one of the big reasons why I actually really like the bigger buildings because per per head, per tenant head, you, those materials go so much further. Mm-hmm. And that just, I don't know, it warms my heart to know that things are being used to their, their fullest capacity. Yeah, yeah. And like with the renovations too, you know, most apartment buildings, if it's one complex, you know, they're going to have some pretty consistent unit layouts. Uh, some stuff is been modified over the years, but generally speaking, you buy a hundred unit apartment building, you might have somewhere between five and 10 different floor plans. Um, whereas if you get a hundred different houses, you almost guaranteed have a hundred different floor plans and what works on one for the finishes might not work on the other. And so it's, it's really hard to systematize the improvements. If it's like a value add type thing, it's just, now I will say, here's something I just thought of is a hundred single family homes. Those are all three bedrooms. That's 300 units. Boom. Now you can, now you can rent it by the door. Yeah. Student housing in yeah. there. That's going to be way, that might be way more profitable than a, a hundred unit multifamily asset. Yeah. If you want 300 college kids to deal with that, <laughs> just to be even more crazy, just to be clear, that is 600 <laughs> fists through drywall. Yep. That's a lot of kegs. That's a lot of walk parties. That's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, that's a lot, lot of everything. Of I don't know about all that. Anyways. So that is, the big difference between a hundred single family homes and uh, one single 100 unit multifamily asset. Now all this is to say, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't, I can't, I don't want a hundred units. Cool. Like you don't have to, you can go get 20, take them, go get 10. Yeah. But just like, I just want to put this out there that uh, we're using hundred. It's just kind of like a placeholder number. Yeah. That's not to say that you, that's where the scales of efficiency really come in. No, we're not doing the grant card own thing. No, we're not saying go Ugh. big, go big, go big. Yeah. So figure out what you want to, what works for you. Make might be 10 units, might be 15, but get over that four unit threshold. That's my recommendation. Get into, yeah. get into a commercial asset. So Dan, before we walk, before we jaunt, before we saunter, before we, uh, meander, I was going to mosey. You're going to mosey. Yeah. Can I mosey out? I'm going to can can out of here. That's please. going to be, it's going to be epic. Uh, before we do that, though, what's our book recommendation? I got a good one. Uh, almost missed my mic. I'm so excited to give this book recommendation. <laughs> so I actually, this one is a, it's not even a real estate book. Uh, it's just kind of a fun, it's kind of an entertaining read, and it's either you're going to like it or you're going to not like it. It's kind of a binary thing. Uh, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> it's actually a good. It's actually a good book. Uh, it's just a book of stories from his life, and he kind of breaks down his philosophies and like how he formed them. It's it's cool. So if you if you like Matthew McConaughey, you might like the book. If you don't like Matthew McConaughey, you will not like the book. Uh, but it's entertaining. It's a good casual. So what read. I heard out of that is that everybody's going to like this book because if you don't like I, Matthew McConaughey, what's wrong with you? Oh man! I know I've said this many many times before, but that man's a national treasure. Actually, that's the first time I've ever said it. Yeah. 
even a first here folks well he's a, he's a cool guy I haven't read I, this after book, actually, reading his book and like hearing him think and like how he thinks about things i haven't read cool i haven't read this but i i know when this book launched he did a big podcast push and he was on just every podcast under the sun and the the feedback that i kept hearing from people was this is actually really good i know it's always really yeah, funny when yeah. people are like this is actually really good like they were expecting it to suck but <laughs> well he's one of those guys that i think he's always been like a deep thinker except he was typecast as like the uh the romantic comedy guy and so people just kind of assume that he's that type of person but he's actually pretty intelligent and he just you know did the hollywood thing he played his role he got his money and now he's kind of at a point where he doesn't really want to do that anymore he's actually doing good stuff now um oh. you know not like jennifer lopez movies sorry j-lo but your movies aren't that great whoa their um, concerts are amazing i went to one whoa i don't know if i can stand behind any of this you just right. start you're, right. you're 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 railing i mean liz another just unsubscribed right there she's like unsubscribe <laughs> I'm, block i'm done and jennifer record. if you're listening to this i apologize on behalf of dan he didn't mean it he might if he's a dick i'm just kidding Hey, Selena was pretty good. I'll give her that one. Which one? Selena. Which uh, which one's the one with the Geely? Giggly? Giggly. Oh, jeez. That was yeah, probably the worst of the worst. I never saw one. it, but that was like rock bottom for movies on her part, I think. Yeah, your career <laughs> can only... It's good to hit rock bottom because from there you can only go up. You know what? She and Ben Affleck are back together. Oh, Liz God. has been shoving that in my face Thank like God. I care. Thank God. Um, I've been losing sleep for decades on this one. Uh, so you might have to dust off your copy of... Jiggly, whatever it is, jig, jiggly, jiggly, jiggly. That's jiggly. Probably it. I'm going to call All it right. jiggly. Or giggly. <laughs> so, anyways, that's going to do it for us, guys. We are obviously out of great content yep. for you now. We are just scraping the bottom. We're, of the we're at the bottom of that barrel, but it's good to hit rock bottom because we can only go up from there. Which means next week we're going to bring something hopefully better. Now, <laughs> there's no guarantee, but what I can say is if you would take a moment out of your life to go and leave a review on Apple iTunes and tell us what you think about the the podcast in general. Uh, that would go a very long ways towards motivating us to bring the A-game next week. So if you want more of what you got, don't do anything. If you want better, go leave a review. Um, in either case, we really appreciate you taking some time to listen to us, and we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.